Hey everybody, what's up? Sagi here. And before you listen to this episode, I just wanted to let you know that the Hacking UI podcast, while we still have a lot of downloads for our podcast, is a legacy podcast, meaning David and I are not recording any more sessions for the specific podcast. So what you can do right now is, first of all, listen to this episode, and second, know that you can find David on thoughtleaders.io, that's his new business, or you can check out my new podcast, which is called The Creativepreneur Show. And you can just go to creativepreneurmagazine.com or creativepreneur.show. So those are the two domains that you would be able to find my show, my new blog, my new community. And I hope uh, to see you there. Also, be sure to follow David Tintner and Sagi Schreiber on Instagram. We're both on Instagram. I'm also on YouTube. So you can check out the YouTube channel if you want to check out YouTube. Enough with my talking. Oh, my God. So anyways, I hope you guys, though, connect with me and David on the different platforms after this episode. All right. Make sure to do so because we have so much new content for you. And enjoy, guys. Enjoy this episode. No one makes me do this, but I keep doing it consistently. And in any aspect of a craft you want to master, how consistent are you being? Hello, hackers. Thanks a lot for joining us for another episode of the Hacking UI podcast, where we hack our way through product design, development, and creative entrepreneurship. I'm David Tintner. And I'm Sagi Schreiber. This will be the fourth episode of the third season of the Hacking UI podcast that we call Scaling a Career. In this season, we have 10 amazing guests for you that are leaders and influencers from a variety of different backgrounds. So you'll be listening to our interviews with Brad Frost, inventor of the Atomic Design System, Quincy Larson, founder of Freed Coldcamp and top writer on Medium, Maria Judis, which is former VP experience at Autodesk, and more. So we will release a new episode of this season every Thursday, like we've done for the past few episodes. So be sure to stay tuned and subscribe. For this season, we have two amazing sponsors, so we would like to talk to you about them for a sec. So I bet you all know InVision. So today I want to talk to you about designbetter.co. The education team over at InVision created an amazing source of quality learning material for product designers. They interviewed dozens of leading designers and companies like Google, Airbnb, Netflix, Facebook, Slack, and more. And basically they did that in order to discover the design practices that they use in order to help everyone, their audience, which is us, transform our design process and push our organizations to the limits. So don't forget to hit designbetter.co. It's an amazing resource. They have four books that they publish. They have an amazing podcast of their own. Be sure to subscribe to it. And they have workshops for designers. So you can check those out as well. So I really recommend it. It's just amazing. FreshBooks is the perfect accounting software for freelance designers and developers or creative entrepreneurs with a small business. FreshBooks is built from the ground up to work for people like us. Let's say non-accountants. They have some really powerful features like integration with Stripe, expense tracking, and a customer support team that actually picks up the phone and works with you to find the perfect solution. Actually, my favorite part about FreshBooks is the super smart notifications they send, which show you the highest priority task you can do right now in order to improve your business. Again, if you're an experienced accountant and you're looking for the all-powerful analytical monster of a tool, okay, this is not it. But if you're like us and you're just looking to get some understanding of your business and keep track of things without wasting hours of your time, then this is exactly what you need. If you want to see what it's all about, FreshBooks gives you a 30-day free trial and doesn't even require a credit card to log in. Okay, so on to our episode today. Our guest today is a super successful entrepreneur which founded two very successful online companies, Sumo.com and AppSumo.com. 
He was also the 30th employee at Facebook and 4th employee at Mint.com. He's a super, super smart person with a very inspiring approach to life and also a fun person to be around. I was super lucky to have him here in Tel Aviv and just hang out. That was just amazing. So, ladies and gents, it's our pleasure to present to you Noah Kagan. Let's get hacking! So actually that might be a scenario where like a lot of people don't know you because our audience is mostly designers and front-end developers and you come from the marketing world mostly. What world would you say you come from? You come from so many different aspects of the internet. I knew you through your YouTube channel, I think, through... Did you see my Pornhub? Pornhub channel. <laughs> no Pornhub, but yeah, if I had, I have a Pornhub channel. I mean, that's more of a new, new video platform, because everyone's on YouTube putting their business advice. Pornhub's got no competition, so I'm just saying. I heard there's higher CPMs there as well. High right. CPMs, and people watch for, I mean, not that long, actually. <laughs> so yeah, check out Noah's uh, Pornhub. This is going to be the most unofficial podcast we had uh, so far, which is good. And so, first of all, like, Noah Kagan, you have... Uh, an amazing podcast and a great YouTube channel. And the podcast is fairly new, but you already had people on the show like Tim Ferriss and I always forget the name of the copywriting guy. Neville, Neville, Neville. right? Oh, Neville. Yeah, Mike Posner. A few other cool people. It's also interesting, like my buddy Tynan was on it, Tynan.com. He writes an amazing blog. A uh, really interesting guy. That was the most popular episode. Really? Yeah, on the Noah Kagan Presents. I didn't like, I don't know why, but it was like 30% more people downloaded that. So, uh, but yeah, I do some podcasting. Siggy mentioned something, and just so our listeners understand how this episode's going. Siggy said you come from the marketing world and you had like a look on your face there. So where, how do you define yourself? What world or what kind of background would you consider yourself? Yeah. You know, it's really interesting as people try to define themselves. I think we try to model who we admire. So a lot of people see Steve Jobs and they're like, he was a total fucking D-bag. So I'm going to be a D-bag. And then there's a lot of people who are assholes, but they don't create Apple. <laughs> there's an amazing YouTube video right now that just got out a week ago. It's called Do Leaders Need to Be Assholes? So I'll put it in the show notes. But it's a really, really good movie. This director, he went to all these directors for Hollywood movies. And he was like, I'm going to be a director now of a movie. I need to know, do I need to be an asshole? And it's like asking all these like really big, like hotshot directors. So it's a very good, it's actually true. Like people think they need to be assholes sometimes. Wait, so give us the outcome. What, give us the, do they need to be assholes or not? When, <laughs> it really helps if you are, but you don't have to be. <laughs> You're saying that just assholes have a higher chance of success. Yeah. My whole point was that uh, in defining yourself, like, yeah, it is very interesting. I think one thing to think about is that when you go out and people say like, you know, who is Suggy? Who is David? Who is Noah? And how we actually describe ourselves. Next time you ask someone like, hey, who are you? Like, what's your story? Think about how they tell their story. And I find that just absolutely fascinating because some people, they'll be like, yeah, my work and my money and this and that, or they'll say, oh, my hot wife or they'll be like yeah I have kids and it, it just kind of there's not like a better one probably if you're like a family person maybe you're a better person <laughs> I don't know but I think it's interesting where we want to define ourselves the world I live in I thought about it earlier today my world is really technology and promotion so I'm just really fascinated with any kind of thing people are making 
So I'm not as big on like going to space. I don't give a shit. I like Earth. Like I'm really happy here. It's like moving. Like, what, do you move when you like your city? No. And I'm really good with Earth. And so I just like the idea that people are making things that make our lives better. And I don't even, it's not even responsibility. Just like my joy and my things I've always done have been just like getting that word out. And so I think for everyone, everyone's like, what's my passion? What's my purpose? Like I, my life sucks, right? And <laughs> I think the easiest thing is just like, think about what you just always do for free. Like, what is something you just do regardless? And it could be, you know, music, or I met a guy today who's, he's a chef. He was in the Navy in Israel. He's like, you know what? I thought about being, you know, with my grandmother when I was a kid and what I'd like to do. And, you know, I ended up just going and cooking. And so now it's a success. But anyways, the point is, is just like, for me, reflecting on it, it's like, I love when people make new sites or new hardware. And then my job is like, how do I help get people to know about it? And that's what I've done at Facebook and Mint and now with AppSumo and Sumo.com. So, yeah, you just mentioned drop name a couple of big brands. So how about you give your background of how you got to where you are today? Yeah, I think what's actually really interesting as you're asking that, I'm going to just totally go off tangent. <laughs> It's like, how can people get more clients or get their dream jobs? Who gives a fuck about my life? Everyone gives a shit about their own life. They're like, well, my wife's, you know, my husband's being a bitch and like kids are crying and my job sucks and I'm hungry or I didn't get this thing. And so how I got them, I think, is how people should be thinking about. It. And so number one, geographically. I was geographically in the Bay Area. If you want to be doing a certain thing, and if you want to be a chef and you want to be like a French chef, go to France. If you want to be in finance, go to New York. If you want to be in like, you know, European tech, maybe Israel or London, I don't know. But number one thing is geographically it helped me get work. So either sometimes, you know, freelancing or but full-time jobs at companies. Number two is that I always was doing things on my side. Like I was always doing nights, weekends, mornings. So when I went to Facebook and I applied for the job, I already had all these projects already built. And that was my resume. So the point being is just like, even if it doesn't become a company, if you have like open source code or design you put on Dribbble or CodePen or whatever it is, and eventually that's your resume. So that actually helped me get me a Facebook. And then the Mint job is, you know, I think depending on your age, like most people aren't making a proactive effort to meet new people. Actually, I talked to someone. He said, I'm coming to Israel. He moved to Israel. And he said, before he moved to Israel, he set up all these meetings, just anyone, just to learn about the company. And he got here and he got a job with one of them, which I thought was great. And I was thinking, he's not doing it anymore. He stopped once he got here. And I think that's very common once you kind of get your group of friends. So I have to force myself to have like group dinners or group wine events at my place. And that's how I ended up getting my job at Mint. Because one of the people who I knew said, hey, come check out this company. So I think those are a few of the things that really helped me get those jobs. And then finally starting my own companies. I think the two things that have been interesting for people starting their own businesses for your audience is one company I started that was purely just out of money. It was like straight up like, how do I get fucking rich? and retire off this shit. And I think what people need to realize is that once you get rich, and I, I would say I'm rich, like percent of America or world, it's one, it's all relative. Because I thought I was rich and then I met someone who was like 100 times more rich than me. And then I'm like, okay, I guess I'm pretty poor. <laughs> Two, it's like once you finally get money, it's not as interesting, right? Then it's just like, okay, well, what do I do with my life now that I finally got this amount of money? And I think that's where people just need to start. And that's actually how you'll get all that money. Because you're just acting as you're going to already have it. And you're doing the things and the money subsequently follows. So my first company was like, how do I just make a bunch of money? And eventually it flamed out. You know, there's a little more to the story, but that's the short of it. It flamed out and it went bad and I was excited. Have you ever been excited? Like, let's say one of your kids like gets injured or dies and you're like happy about it. Like you throw a party. That's what I did. Okay, that sounds really dramatic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let's have your, your kids live. That's why I have no kids. See, this is why I'm not a father yet. And so, but it's more people are doing things. I think it's fine, especially if you're younger. Just go fuck around. Try shit out. Go on Fiverr. Go drive for Uber. Go on Craigslist. Do whatever work you can get. Do free work, most importantly. And just do shit. That's important in the younger years. But with AppSumo.com and then with Sumo.com and even my podcast, it's been more about what do I want to see in the earth? And is someone else doing it? Probably. There's always competition. I've never seen a, a city with only one restaurant. I've never seen one. If you see it, let me know because that guy's got a monopoly. 
So it's just like, well, what things do I, am I interested in? I don't give a shit if anyone's doing. So AppSumo was a mailing list. I just wanted deals on software. Anyone could do this. No one knew me. I just hit them up and said, hey, I want to promote your software. And then same with Sumo.com. We grew our email list. Everyone want to know how we do it. And then we created Sumo.com. And the podcast, now it's just a great excuse to hang out with people, just like you guys do. Right now I'm in this office in a creepy room with two other dudes. This is like a set of a porno. We could put this on my channel, wrapping that around. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything that you said so far makes sense, except uh, a lot of things that didn't. No, I <laughs> no, I think whatever he says, like, you know, people that if they have the mentality of like, I'm already rich, now what should I do to enjoy my life and like make money? Then I think you're directing the energy in a good way. Really quickly, the rich part, I think it comes off like a total dick. It's like, oh, this guy's trying to talk like he's got money. Because it's all relative. And No, 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 but I actually want to make up an interesting point. Being in Israel has really changed the way I look at money for two reasons. This is fascinating for me. And this sounds so stupid if you don't live in America. But being in Israel, I haven't bought anything on Amazon. So it sounds kind of like trivial. But like in America, every three days I buy from Amazon. And being in Israel and being around the people here and being around the culture, the thing that I haven't bought it once. And it made me reflect what's going on. And so I think with people with money, it's less about having so much money, but it's, and this is what in Israeli culture, I, I do appreciate about it. It's about not what you want. It's just about what you need. And I think the culture here actually does, for the most part, people are like, what do we really need? And that's good. I don't need all this extra stuff, all the other stuff that's a want instead of a need. And I think that goes back to America where you're just like, it's so easy to buy more shit that you're just accumulating and you think you need more money to have more shit that you really don't need. And so it's been a good kind of retrospection on like how I want to deal with money and experience it. It's interesting that you say it because I don't experience my own life like that. I feel like we need to keep buying and buying and buying. But everything that I kind of feel like I need to buy, I feel I really need to buy. But it's tons of money. So I do feel like, you know, we're keeping on buying. Like I feel the Western kind of you know, the American culture here, like the American consumption power. We don't have Amazon. We don't have like everything accessible because we're so far in the Middle East. Nobody, nobody ships here. No, I'm just kidding. But no, really, like when you buy from Amazon, it takes like three weeks. So, you know, the instant gratification that you get when you buy on Amazon in the U.S. and the packages at your door. Like being here, I don't even think of it. I'm just like, hey, life is good the way it is. I'm not trying to always go for more. And so I think it's just good for people to, to think about that for themselves. Is it because we have hummus? Yes, watch the Zohan. You've seen the Zohan movie oh, where he uses pumice to brush his teeth? You haven't seen it. Great movie. Yeah, yeah. Of course. But I think what you said is also interesting. Like sometimes when you step outside of your own circle, city, whatever it is, probably goes into business level as well. Then when you step outside of your own comfort zone and go somewhere different, you can kind of look at things from an outside perspective. So I don't know if that's maybe part of what happens when you come to Israel or if it's truly something like a different culture and different mentality or it's the stepping outside of like looking down onto what you're used to. They have a thing, and I really like it, called the expert curse. And what the expert curse is, is that when you get so good at something that you don't think other things can happen because you're an expert. And you say, well, that can happen, and that can happen, and it won't happen because I'm an expert. So like marketing, you know, Google ads have not worked for me, so they're not going to work for you. And this never worked for me in the past, so it won't work. And then it's where these people who've never had experience create the innovation, the people who don't know what they can't do. And so I think having that mindset is really helpful, number one. And just like, what do I not know I can't do? Because I think when you start thinking you know everything is when you start not being able to innovate. The other thing is that I will say coming to Israel, and this is helpful for a lot of the designers and, and people starting businesses, is going to something where it's almost like a blank slate. And I think about it more habitually, like what habits am I doing? Because it's like, right, I came here with nothing, no schedule, no nothing. How do I choose to spend my time? What activities, what people, what habits am I continuing? Which ones am I not doing? So I think from a design perspective, how can you do like a 180 on your life? Maybe you go, if you're in a hot place, go to a cold. If you're in a dark place, go to a light, whatever it is, or go work at a museum or go work at a hotel. And that kind of complete change of geography and just everything really helped me kind of like start looking at things from new perspectives. Definitely agree. And on the subject of the problem, what do you call it? The expert curse? 
so when we were speaking to Samuel Hulick, he also mentioned something about this too, where we were discussing that people often get this like imposter syndrome, that they think that because they're not an expert, they're not qualified to share or to do stuff. And you bring it up now as well, that it's kind of, sometimes it could be even the opposite. The one who's not the expert, actually you have an advantage. So I think that's something that a lot of our listeners can take away too, that, you know, not only should you not be afraid and like go for it and you do have a chance to make change or to innovate, you might even have an advantage in it because you're not the expert. Yeah. And I just recently heard Gary Vaynerchuk say exactly that. If you're like a pro, you sometimes you come off like a dick when you, you know, when you uh, tell people what to do. But if you're just like on your journey and documenting your journey and just what you learn along the way, then, you know, that's like the real power. That's where you influence people. So it's interesting. All right, so let's take a short break to talk about our sponsors, Envision and FreshBooks. So I bet you all know Envision and love Envision, but today I want to talk to you about designbetter.co. The education team over at Envision created this amazing resource of quality learning material for product designers. They interviewed dozens of leading designers at companies like Google, Airbnb, Netflix, Facebook, Slack, and more. basically to discover their design practices in order to help us learn from that and implement that into our organization. So first of all, they have a podcast that you really need to subscribe to. It's a great podcast. And also they have four books they've put together. So you better head over to designbetter.co and check those out. Also, you can check out one of their kind workshops for designers. FreshBooks is the perfect accounting software for freelance designers and developers or creative entrepreneurs with a small business. FreshBooks is built from the ground up to work for people like us, let's say non-accountants. They have some really powerful features like integration with Stripe, expense tracking, and a customer support team that actually picks up the phone and works with you to find the perfect solution. Actually, my favorite part about FreshBooks is the super smart notifications they send, which show you the highest priority task you can do right now in order to improve your business. Again, if you're an experienced accountant and you're looking for the all-powerful analytical monster of a tool, okay, this is not it. But if you're like us and you're just looking to get some understanding of your business and keep track of things without wasting hours of your time, then this is exactly what you need. If you want to see what it's all about, FreshBooks gives you a 30-day free trial and doesn't even require a credit card to log in. All right, so I want to ask you a couple questions about your online presence. So you have a few different kind of places on the internet that you would call home. Yet something that I think... really sticks out to me and I think to most people who stumble across one of these homes you have on the internet is that it's super personal. Like you see your face, you see that it's about you and you have tacos. So can you kind of just give us a little bit of background on this and this kind of like personalization and the tacos? Tacos, we all have different things we like. Like what's your guys' favorite food? Pizza. Pizza. No, what do you eat? Hummus, pita. That's what Jewish people eat. Yeah. I mean, you guys have only a few options available. So anyway, I just like tacos. I eat them two, three times a week. So it's just something that I'm regularly doing and I like it. And so I include it in a lot of my marketing. And I think it's just fun. I was thinking about business and actually I went to my therapist and he's like, life's not supposed to be fun because that's what I thought the point of this was. I was like, we're just supposed to have fun. He's like, no, no, it's about responsibilities and doing things. And I was like, and I talked to this guy yesterday, a few days ago, and this is now six months later from therapy. So therapy says, no, life's about hard work and responsibilities and taking care of things. And I talked to this guy a few days ago, and he's worth like hundreds of millions, but he's a very basic guy, very simple. He doesn't actually spend a lot, and he just, he's still working. And I said, you know, why do you work? You're done. Like, you've got what everybody else really, really wants or supposedly thinks they want. And he's like, this is fun. That's it. I was like, oh, really? We can do it? He's like, yeah, yeah, go back. Have some fucking fun. Yeah, so I fired my therapist, so you're right. You know, this podcast is a pseudo form of therapy. And so in terms of online presence, I think it's a very interesting thing because I don't think anyone would ever say it's not nice to get recognized. And most people that actually work, like if you work at a company like Sumo, maybe you want to get paid well, you want to be around other people, but a lot of it is you want to be acknowledged. 
right? I don't know if it's because we're trained as kids to get like stickers and certificates and shit and grades and report cards. But there's something nice when you work on something, you want people to see it. What I'd say about online presence with it, so it is nice to get recognized, but I think the best way most people should get recognized or the easier way is just go make things. So create design templates that people use. Use a design library that you create. Go edit someone else's onboarding process. Like this guy, Sam, created a huge company. Who even says he's a fucking UX expert or user onboarding expert? No one. He just kept putting out a bunch of user onboarding reviews. Go do that for like mobile something or do it for YouTube videos, whatever it is. I mean, what makes Tim Ferriss an expert? A lot of people know him and I liked him. He's a friend, but was there an expert school on lifestyle like hacking? No, he just kept fucking talking about it. People got results. So anyways, I think if you're trying to build a brand, it's, it is good to put yourself out there. It's kind of the new resume to some extent, but focus on just creating value for other people. And I, I fucking hate when people say create value because I don't know what that means. Like, I don't think anyone creates something and be like, dude, this is shit. I mean, do we have, do you guys ever do it? You're like, hey, I'm going to create a piece of poop. <laughs> Unless you're going to the bathroom and no one's trying to create that. So I would say like create content or create software or create events or create meetings or create anything and the more that you actually put that out there, I think then people will resonate with like who made that. And so I think you have a take on the value thing in terms of nobody says like, I'm going to put shit out today, you know, like, but I think that just a lot of people hide the truth and they say they want to give value, but then they don't talk about the real shit, the real deal. They're not authentic when they come across. We all know these people. David and I know a couple very well. I have them. Like who's a faker? Who's a faker? I don't think they ever get known and publicized, you know, they, they never get to the top. You know, because they're not authentic, so nobody hears them. I think that people that are authentic and are, like, putting themselves out there, like, in a way that is supposed to give value is generally by, like, asking uncomfortable questions, you know, and sharing truth. For instance, I talked about salaries that recently in my newsletter in Israel. It's the first time, in, you know, Israeli publication talks about actual salaries and why people make high salaries while others are the average. I didn't just put out the graph. I put out the graph and talked about it. I think that's sort of value maybe for people to start experiencing something which they can relate to and have a discussion around a topic that's not discussed enough. So the one thing that I've noticed and maybe why you asked like online presence, but I think it applies to consulting or software or anything you're doing. And I think this is why it's worked for me to some extent is because I just go one by one. So I think a lot of people say, I want a bunch of customers or I want a bunch of viewers or I want a bunch of listeners or I want a bunch of emails. And a lot of the success I've had is because I just focus on each person that joins most of them. I can't do it all of them. You know, how do I go one by one and just talk to people? And it's actually like a human. That's it. It's not complicated, but we overcomplicate it or we want to avoid doing like the actual communication part. I think the other thing in business or any online presence that you want is that no one forces me to make a YouTube video or no one forces me to do the podcast or do my blog. And I think the reason that it's done well, you know, it's only taken me 17 years. That's it. Number one. But number two, this is something I think about. No one makes me do this, but I keep doing it consistently. And in any aspect of a craft you want to master, how consistent are you being? Once a year you're doing some shit or you do it like infrequently. But if you can put out a blog post or a design template or a mock-up, whatever it is, weekly, monthly, consistently, for your business or for your personal brand, you will get success. It just has to be consistent and it's going to take some time. Can you give us a run through of like what your consistent routine is, the things that you've said are like, I'm going to continue doing them? Yeah, that's exciting. I love shared routines. So in terms of routines, because in college, I wanted to create a, a tradition. And I think the more that companies can create traditions or routines for customers, they have something to look forward to. So we created this technology exchange, like a basically expo, a tech expo. And I said, every year we're going to have a tech expo. And that became a thing we got known for. What I believe is everyone pick one unique thing that you do. So maybe it's sharing salaries once a month. Maybe it's doing dick pictures. I don't know. Whatever it is. Maybe it's putting out a new feature once a month. 
maybe it's a new blog post. So do it consistently and make it like a TV show. So every Thursday, I'm looking forward to the next podcast, the next software update, the next YouTube video, the next whatever it is that people are putting out there. So for me, on my personal stuff, so my OK Dork is just my personal like goof off stuff. Podcast comes out every week. If it's a holiday like this week, we're putting it out Thursday, but every week a podcast, every week three YouTube videos, which I make from the podcast. So I do a podcast and then I'll just talk about three parts of the video. Because I don't want to basically be creating new stuff all the time. I think that's a problem most people do. So I take one podcast, make three videos, and then I do one post. So every week it's that same four or five things. So the three videos come out of the podcast while you record it or afterwards you just sit down? Yeah. So I call it content multiplication. And I think the bigger idea here for any type of business or product is that we always want to create new things, but there's a lot more value in what you've already made. And there's a lot more value in the customers you already have. So more people are like, how do I get new customers? How do I get new customers? I'm like, what about all the ones you already got? Can you get more money out of them in a good way that they are excited to pay you? So the podcast gives me ideas to make new content. And I make that in videos. And then I send the podcast to a writer who makes a blog post. And then we have another guy who takes that content and then helps me promote it externally. So we have a checklist. So basically, podcast, three videos, one article. And then another guy goes and buys ads to that stuff. He puts it up on like helps me with Quora, helps me with LinkedIn, just helps me then promote that stuff. On the sumo.com side, once a week an email, once a week a webinar, and once a week a guide on the blog. So the bigger thing though is just sometimes I think of routines and habits fucking put you in jail. Like my mom is in jail. Like she has certain things like the gym where I'm like, mom, you don't need to go to the gym. She's like, I have to go. And it's great to be consistent. But I think sometimes you just need to reevaluate the things that are part of your routines and say, is this meeting, is this shit I'm doing right now actually really helpful in the overall process? Like sometimes it's going to suck. Like the gym sucks, but is the overall outcome worth that habit? So it's good to just reevaluate them from time to time. So, you know, keeping these routines is pretty hard. I mean, you listed like a lot of stuff that you're doing and I bet a lot of people listening now are saying like, okay, yeah, sounds great in theory. One thing I noticed is you mentioned that you have other people helping you with it. So at what time in your career, what point did you decide that, okay, I'm going to hire other people to help me keep content and keep these routines going? So I call it washing your own fucking dishes because I think a lot of times you may, you have dirty fucking dishes and there's going to be some listener out there who said, Sagi, he's got such a potty mouth. Two-star review. But I love the content. <laughs> so number one, I always like to do my own dishes because I like to keep sharp. And there's a book, Seven Habits, Highly Effective People, Sharpen the Saw. It's one of my favorite chapters. But doing your dishes, even if you have maids, which I have maids and I have all these you know, other people to help me. But like, I like to stay sharp, like stay on the, at the front line. Sometimes you get so abstracted from the battle, like you're a general, they kind of really don't know what it's like down there. And I think that's a good way that you can be successful overall. So I like to remind myself to stay dirty. In terms of hiring, I've gotten to a point where hiring is everything. If you really think about these companies, they're just all they are, not really amazing ideas, but they're different amounts of amazing people. And the companies are kind of like the secondary output of these amazing inputs, which are the software and knowledge worker people. For me, I've evolved a lot. Where in the beginning, I'd hire just anyone with a brain, even half a brain, a fucking chimpanzee I would have hired. Because I was like, hey, just do this shit, like be a monkey, literally. Over time, what I've realized is that you have to go out of your way to find exceptional people. So Elon Musk, everyone fucking loves this guy now. People used to hate him. But if you've read his biography, which is very depressing, because you're like, wow, I haven't done shit in life. <laughs> you're like, oh, I made a new toilet bowl. I mean, we're, we can talk about dying, and I think we should. But anyways, the point in his biography, which is really fascinating, is he, obviously he's smart, and he's got a cool accent because he's from South Africa. And, well, I guess the but part there is that if you look at his book in SpaceX and in Tesla, he talks the most about recruiting. He had kind of an idea, but it's about finding, he found the best space engineer. He found the best car people, the best electric people, and they made the company. And so 
as I've evolved now with Sumo and with AppSumo and then with my personal stuff, like OK Dork and the podcast, I basically just spend a lot of my time looking for exceptional people. Either I'll just read their stuff or I'll try to do a project with them or I'll just try to have lunch with them or I'll try to help them in any way possible. And it's one of these things I think as you've run a company, to some extent you kind of stop doing it's like this. Once you get married, you're not married, David. No. no. But when you get married, it gets easier to kind of just get comfortable. Right? All right. We're just going to Netflix and chill tonight. Right? Or Netflix and hummus, I guess, in Israel. <laughs> and so, you know, as you run a company, you start getting comfortable. Oh, these are the routines. These are the things. But recruiting is something that you got to kind of keep fresh and you got to keep doing it. And so, because as I get older too, that's inevitable. We're all going to get older. You're going to miss out on new things. And I thought about this yesterday regarding hiring. So now I'm all about hiring. And there's a guy who's helping me with Facebook ads and he helps with Sumo and he helps with my personal stuff. And he comes back with ideas that I couldn't have never thought of and I didn't even know are possible. And it's only because he's young, younger than me. And so it made me realize that I need to stay around the young people, share the guidance and knowledge that I have, but let them figure out the innovation because that's what right now they're stronger at. So just kind of being on the lookout for exceptional people. And so how do you find exceptional people? How do you find them? All right, let's talk about that for a second. Just look on Quora for people that you're like, damn, this is like really smart shit. Look on Dribble or CodePen for design. Put stuff out there. If, like if you have some type of an audience, be like, hey, I need help with this. So for here's a really interesting example. Okay, dork. I just put on a tweet, which I hate when people talk about Twitter in public. But I put a tweet, hey, I need help. I'm doing a design. This guy sends me a mock-up. He's like, hey, I just did a mock-up. I, you know, I had some free time. His name is Henrique Adalbo. And his mock-up was great. And now I pay him a few thousand a month to help me with design. Because like he sent it. It was amazing. And it's just like either you know putting it out there, letting people know, or going actively, like finding a plug-in or finding a design or anything and being active to connect with these people and figure out whatever it takes to work with them. So you can find them like that. And then really what you want to do with amazing people is everyone now wants to be their own boss. That's kind of like the default. Like I want to run my own company. I want to make a shit ton of money. Don't tell me what the fuck to do. I'm going to work wherever I want. And I want people to be like that because that's the better people. Like the ones that are like, hey, I'll just be an employee. I'll keep it as is. It's like, I don't want them around me. And because they're not going to think of new ways in ads or think of new ways of content or new ways of development. And so what you have to do with them is be like, yo, here's where the fuck I want to go. Like we're going to go to Disneyland, right? I need you to drive at 500 miles an hour for us to be there on time. I don't give a fuck whatever else you do. Figure it out. And then let them decide everything. You know, you want to guide them if they have questions and stuff but like that. But it's basically clear definition. Give them a goal and leave them alone. Point being is that you got to find the best people. Do whatever it takes to work with them. Spend a lot of time continually looking for them or trying to meet them. The point is, is that like as I talk to people, I'm also like, who's the best person you know at this? So it's something that literally never stops. A lot of people we've hired, half of the referrals for sumo.com have come from referrals. So from people that work at the company. So you've got to take advantage. Like we sit down with them on LinkedIn, looking one by one. If you're trying to get clients for your businesses, like you're starting as a freelancer, go in Facebook groups, go on meetup.com or go to your LinkedIn, go through every single fucking person. You will find someone that needs help. Even start for free and that will build up your clientele. My friend's been doing that with YouTube videos. He does them of restaurants and he builds up his clientele. The other way thing is that I always ask for referrals. So I'm like, hey, you're not available to work. Who do you recommend? Or hey, you're not a great client. Who's one person that's this specific type of person? And I always do that. And we've hired people that have said no to us, but they refer their friend. And we hire like our recruiter, Samantha came that way. So if you're reaching out to the best person that they know or like the most talented people that you can find, any tips on getting them to meet with you or starting that connection with them? Yeah. The ones that refer through referrals, I say, who's the best person you know? I actually say, all right, cool. They gave me their name and email. I just email them and say, referred by David. Hey, David said that we should talk. And how's 15 minutes on this specific day work? It's like going to a bar. I always think of business like dating. You know, you go to a bar and you just say, hey, what's up to a random girl? It most likely won't work unless it's 2 a.m., right? At 2 a.m., it all works. Anything works. You could say nothing. But if someone said, hey, I'm Sagi, this is my friend Stephanie, you guys should meet, yeah, there's a super higher probability that you're going to respond and at least say hello and give that a chance. And that's the way I like to look at it with those kind of communication. If you're doing it to someone cold, the best way, I found the number one way to get almost anyone to respond to a cold communication, you offer them money. 
You just offer them fucking money. And it's not you don't even have to offer a lot. But what happens is that if you have some notoriety or some skill in any type of aspect, like in development, in design, in UX, UI, starting, marketing, whatever it is, you're getting hit up often. If you're doing good things, people recognize it and they want it. And they just want, though. And it's obvious. It's like, hey, I'd really love to have a coffee and talk about life, a.k.a. give me your brain, right? And that's not really that helpful to, it's a one-sided street. So I just say, hey, can I pay for one hour of your time? Or can I treat you to like the nicest lunch in your city? Or what's a gift you've been wanting to buy? Whatever it is, it could be anything. But the fact that you're actually putting up some type of money just changes your status when they get that type of email. That's a really good point. So hiring is super important. But let's say you're just starting a business or you're just on your own and you want to get yourself out there more. How much would you value bringing someone else to help you? To our listeners who are saying, I want to start a blog. I want to start a YouTube channel. I want to do something. But, you know, I don't have time. And we say to them, okay, so maybe you should think about hiring someone to do it. How much value would you put into hiring people? So I'll give everyone one advice, especially for the people starting that listen to this. I've got the thing that they need to do. So they have to do two things. Number one, get an accountability buddy. So get someone that's just going to talk shit to you. Don't find someone who will be soft. So if you're starting out, you need to find someone weekly or daily that you can check in with them and they'll say, you're not doing right. What are you going to do to fix it? The second thing is you have to commit at least 30 minutes a day. I don't give a fuck what, but you have to do something 30 minutes towards your business. It could be anything. And if you can do that for 12 months, you will have a business that makes some money. That's a promise. Have an accountability buddy. You check in weekly. I know you have kids. That shit's crazy. Like, I can't imagine what that's like. But you have 30 minutes at night or in the morning or weekends or just enjoy your fucking shitty day job. So that was part one. And for hiring other people, you shouldn't hire people right away. If you have money, it actually becomes kind of an issue because you're like, oh, just hire. But I truly believe if you're creating a business and any type of business, you should understand how every aspect works personally. You know, I'm not going to be in a baby stroller, even though I make baby carriages, right? But, you know, I probably should have a kid and have some understanding. And the same thing goes with AppSumo. When I started the company, I did the development. I did the marketing. I did the accounting. I did the customer support. The design I sucked at, so I found other people to do it. And then eventually, I couldn't do it in sales. I couldn't grow the company because we needed more deals, more deals for AppSumo. So I was like, I need someone else to help me do this because I'm limiting the growth of the business. So I brought someone in. And then development. Man, there'd be some more features. All right, now let me go get someone. My preference for growing a business is like do it yourself. And when it starts limiting you or close to limiting you, have someone ready to go in that position. By the way, I think like the part you said about like, you know, just put time into doing it. I don't see kids as an excuse. I don't see anything as an excuse, right? I think because at the end of the day, if you want to advance in life, you have to put in time for whatever you want to do. So it's something that we tell our audience all the time. You know, if you want to write a blog, no problem. Write a post every once in two months, but dedicate one hour a week to just sit down and write. So if you do that, you'll have an amazing post once in two months. And that's what we start, how we started Hacking UI and how it grew. On the way, we spent time also creating a weekly newsletter. So we had something consistent, going back to what you said, it's consistency. So our weekly newsletter grew. Our articles were like super high-end, like very long form, like very nice articles every once in two months. And that grew our list along with some free stuff that we would put out. But yeah, I guess Devin and I totally agree with what you have to say about consistency and putting in the time, no excuses. Everybody asks me like, how do you do it? How do you do everything with kids and with stuff? And everybody has time, you know, it's just like you don't have to sleep less. You just have to know where you put your time in. I'm not sure exactly where I'm going to go with this, but I don't think anyone doesn't think that. If we go on the streets and said, do you think working hard is important for success and making money? 100%. But then the question I'm wondering, maybe you guys have an answer. So why don't people do it? So the people listening that want to have started this businesses and want to have this certain type of lifestyle, why don't they have it? We run the Side Project Accelerator. where We help people start basically doing side projects, most people who are doing day jobs, and get their personal brands out there. And, this, and something that I see a lot with people on the Side Project Accelerator is exactly this, that they 
because they haven't had the success at their goal yet, I think that they can't really vision that it will happen. And they have less of a belief that it will. Whereas we're saying to them, listen, if you do these, if you write blog posts and if you come up with something like this, you will grow your email list. You will then be able to have an audience and you will be able to make money from it. You'll be able to create products and sell them through your email list. And they say, yeah, it, it sounds good, but they don't see that it will happen because it hasn't happened to them yet. And I think because of that, people are more likely to drop off early. And it's like, you just have to believe that it will really, truly happen to you. I think that's one part. And the second part is that people have their own limiting beliefs. So basically what you said, they don't believe that it can happen in the sense of the universe, right? If they put their limiting beliefs off, like, no, that can't happen. I can't be successful with my blog or newsletter then they will never imagine it and the world will not bring it to them. Like, I think that the world acts like that. If you aim for something and you put a goal and you have a mark, then you're aimed for that mark and then you're going to get there just because you already have it in your mind how it's going to be in like, I don't know, half a year from now when you're there. So it's interesting to me seeing that right now because that's something that I started doing not a long time ago, doing like half a year forward and then like one month forward. Like, where do I want to be? And then I saw things happening within the week that's already like shooting in that direction. And one of the things that also people don't have patience, I think, especially when blogs and content, people want the followers and they don't have a lot of followers right now. So they just like, they don't put out so much content. And, you know, we saw people in our side project accelerator, they get like 50 subscribers. So they stopped their newsletter because they don't grow as much or as fast. Maybe they should use Sumo. Or... They should use Sumo. If you're starting out, because it's one of these things where when you have a Ferrari or you have, you know, something, you don't necessarily remember how hard it was to get it. It's like once you finish running, you're like, oh, it's over. That wasn't so bad, even though you might have like killed yourself to do it. So I think sometimes it's hard to remember what it's like to really, really start. And what I try to do is imagine myself living in Nebraska. All my friends have just regular jobs and I kind of went to school and I, I listen to your guys podcasts and I want to start something. And I don't have friends that are tech. I don't have any rich people around me. Like, you know, I have access to the information. And so what I think is like, well, what would I do at that moment? And I think the easiest thing to do is just go work for free. And so well, what does that mean? Well, if you want to be a designer, if you want to be a software creator, if you want to be a marketer, go find groups and then propose specific things you'll do for people or look for people that are asking questions like, hey, does anyone have know about this SEO thing? Or if there's a blog post that's like, here's how to do this SEO trick. And then look at people in the comments and say, oh, my God. Just reach out to them and say, yo, I'm learning how to do this. Can I help do it for free for you? And then once you finish with them, be like, hey, do you have a referral? And so if you could do that enough, I had a friend I told you was doing YouTube. You can do this with the guy who did design, the guy who does my audio for YouTube, the guy who does the audio and the video. He did headshots for me for free. He said, hey, I noticed your headshot sucks. Can I do a headshot for you? I was like, yeah, sure. So he came to the office, did everyone's headshot. Then he said, hey, I know you do YouTube. Why don't I just make a video for you? Like, let's do a video and I'll edit it. Now I pay him $2,000 a month, right? I bought him a desktop computer and, you know, we're good friends too. But it came because he just started really helping. And so a lot of people are scared and don't have access. Go to your online groups. Go to people already looking for things. Go to things that are already solved and help solve for others. And then build up your basically client base until you're too busy doing free that you're like, yo, I need a little bit of money for this. Everyone knows smoking will make you die sooner, but it's so far away, it's hard to know that the smoking today really hurts. You know, once have a good body, but eating that chocolate cake today is really, really good. I just had two brownies. <laughs> so one, you can help people for free and build it from there. The other thing to consider is how can you... Sometimes I think of it like micro versus macro, like being in an airplane versus being on the street. When you're in an airplane, everyone looks super fucking tiny. You ever notice that? When you're in the street, you're like, man, everyone's going so fast. There's all these fucking big giants out here. And I think you have to kind of go back and forth when you're running a business or starting that sometimes it's like, all right, just what is one thing today that can make me feel successful? 
So if you're starting a podcast, did I reach out to one person to get on their podcast today? If you're doing an email list because you want to promote something in the future, what can I do to get one person to join it today? And so something on a more digestible scale that you know that, all right, the overall thing, it's probably going the right direction, but at least today I know I'm getting some win because I think you're right where we don't see it as far off. So you need something kind of short term to understand your bearings in the right direction. Someone once said to me, or I read it somewhere, I don't remember, but people always overestimate what they can do in one year and underestimate what they can do in 10. And I think what you just said is exactly like that we don't see these kind of like benchmarks or that goals being achieved in a short period of time. And then we give up. Like, holy fuck, if you had me working for eight real hours a day, I would probably have cancer cured in like a week, right? The problem is, is that we go to fucking work at 10, we have lunch at 12 to 2, we have a coffee break, people are talking to us, there's a Slack message, there's a new Reddit article, there's a Facebook message, and then the actual two hours you're probably really getting that good work in, that's what counts. And so I think people need to really consider the number one thing in business, prioritizing. That is the number one thing. By far, prioritizing which person to hire, prioritizing which work to go to, prioritizing which customers, everything is priority. And so you have to figure out what is really most important because if you actually really do it, not just say, oh yeah, I've got four priorities. Okay, so you don't have a priority. You have four of them, which is not priority. So you need to have an order of that. And I think the more you can do that, the more actually shit will be getting done in like eight hours, you're going to be moving so much more forward. Because think about this, everyone's busy. Everyone's always fucking busy. I'm like, what are you, oh man, I worked all day. I'm like, well, why does your company suck so much? <laughs> right? Like, why are you so broke? Or why do you have no customers? Yeah, because you have the wrong priority. Okay, so let's go back to you for a second. So what are your priorities right now? Business priorities. So what happens when you start a company, a lot of times it's like doing a skyscraper. Have you guys ever watched a skyscraper? Watch the skyscraper get built like in time lapse. Go check it out on YouTube. It's really cool. And what happens to the skyscraper is that they have to like dig really deep. And then they dig super, super deep. And you're like, man, this is fucking taking forever. But then once they get the foundation in, the shit just like skyrockets. But the main thing is the foundation. And so for me, my foundation is sumo. So making sure that AppSumo is running well and Sumo is running well. So in terms of my priority, that's number one in my professional life. And so AppSumo is running well, good leadership team doing it. We're also innovating, like we're moving more towards a Netflix for software. So you pay one price a month, 40 bucks, and you get all the software. Because right now you're paying like all these fucking prices all over the place. It's very confusing. One price, everything you need for your running your company. And with Sumo, it's going well, not great. You know, we need to do some things. So my foundation needs to be improved. And so I'm working on the marketing of Sumo while my business partner handles more of the product. So that's my number one priority. My number two priority after that, once that's taken care of, is my podcast. So I want to get 100,000 listeners. I think if you ever have a goal, have it concrete. So 100,000 listeners by the end of the year. Why? Why the podcast? I think two things. One, why even the goal, right? Because it's arbitrary. I think goals are just nice to know how fast you're going and have somewhere to go. And then as you, once you get that prize, you know, you want to ideally have it continue from 100,000 to that, you know, a million, let's say. And I actually chose originally 10,000 downloads an episode. And my friend said, your email list is relatively known and, and some other things like that's not going to be a challenge for you. So I think your goals need to be just a little out of reach. And that's where I kind of got to the 100,000 because it is hard. I'm only at, you know, 25,000 and it's halfway through the year. So that means I have to three exit in the next six months. And then why podcast? It's something I've resisted because I've just done the blog so long. What I've realized though is I prefer doing audio and video more than writing. I'm not a great writer. I'm a better speaker, you know, on camera. And so I found a writer to do my writing so I can do this. But more importantly, best excuse to meet people. It has just been an amazing tool to learn from all these people I admire. And every single episode, I listen to it a bunch of times. I edit it a bunch of times. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's one thing. And it just keeps making it. What's that TV show where the guy kills you and then you get the powers? Uh, Highlander. Have you ever seen Highlander? He fights you in battle. When he fucking kills you, he takes your power. And so I guess I kill my guest's brain, but I want to absorb that knowledge. And so anyone out there doing an interview in any sort, it could be an audio medium, it could be in person, it could be in text. 
it's just a great way. And having that actually creates my mental space to think about it. Because one thing that's been interesting is that I think of all the things that are happening because of the podcast. Like I met this person or this thing happened and it would have never happened if I didn't start. And just getting it started kind of like, it's like, oh, I can't believe this happened. It happened because you have been doing things. And this is the outcome of that. And so podcast was just a medium I was interested in. And I think sometimes we don't want to choose. So with podcasting, I was like, well, is this going to be a forever thing? And so I said, hey, do it for a year. Commit for a year. And at the end of the year, you can make decisions to continue it or not. But if you don't do it for a year, it's like any of these businesses you start to do for a month. It's not working. You give up. And the podcast has been like that. I did kind of give up a few months ago. I'm like, it's not growing that fast. And that's the moment that you have to make a decision. Like, this is the part that counts. This is that rep that you get the muscle. This is the time that separates a lot of people who get those things versus people who don't. And at the end of the day, I'm going to die. Right. And I have noticed that if you think about what are the things you're proud of creating or accomplishing in life and then what do they have in common? They probably weren't fucking easy. Were they? I've never had anything I'm like super proud of that I was like, man, that just right came to me. And so stuff to think about. So I'm really interested in you brought up the point that you set this goal and okay, you're on the way to getting there, but you're looking at it and you say, wait, I'm at 25 or something like this and I want to get to 100. What to do? So what do you do when you're like looking at this big scary goal out there and you're like, shit, I need to change something or do something differently. Yeah. I'll just tell you, I fucked up in the past where I'd finally get a goal Think about this. It's like you're sprinting. You're like running a marathon and you're so fucking tired at the end. You just like give up and you're like, I'm never running a marathon again. I mean, I'm sure a bunch of people in Africa who are great runners, like keep running because they're awesome. But like, I can't. And so I think about it now where like, how do you do more things in all aspects of life that are more sustainable? Because I did this two years ago where I had a goal for my personal blog, okdork.com, where I said, I'm going to get 100,000 email subscribers. And by the end of the year, I got the goal and I was so fucking burnt out that I stopped writing for a year. It wasn't hurt because I wasn't a business necessarily, but I got this train going and then I stopped the train and to get it back going again is just a hard fucking slog and so when things look kind of bleak you're asking kind of like this year looks tough i think for everyone out there no one have a goal for the year and most people kind of have a goal like do you no and two put timeline on it so i had a hundred thousand i break it down by month and each month every monday i do a meeting with david who's basically runs everything and he's in charge and so i'm like how are we doing against our goal what is our plan to fix that if it is okay let's keep doing what we're doing that's number one. The other thing that we do that's really helpful. So we just look at the metric every Monday. The other thing we do is that, and I really like this. I don't know if there's a name for it, but it's basically a proactive dashboard. So what a proactive dashboard is, is that most of the metrics we look at are very reactive. How many visits we have? Those people have already come. So what's the step before they come? So before they come is the things that are the proactive, like what can I control? So then we review our proactive metric dashboard, which is the things that help hit our overall goal if we do them. And so it's, you know, did I post on Quora? Did I do an interview on a podcast? Did we do YouTube videos? Because we can control those. Did we post on LinkedIn? Did we do a guest post? And we have this and we just have green and red each week that we have goals for. And we'll do some of them as they don't show any results that help the goal. We'll cut it. So Instagram, I talked to Dean who helps run it. I'm like, is this really making a difference for any of our numbers? He's like, no. It looks cool. We get these likes. It makes you feel good, but doesn't do shit. So I stopped. Same with Pinterest. Fuck Pinterest. It was, just wasn't working. I like, I've met a guy, this guy, Bob, he's awesome. And Bob Lodish, I think Christian Finance, you can search Bob Lodish. He was like, Pinterest is goldmine. And I tried it for a few weeks and sometimes it might take longer, but it's like other things have shown more promise. So we cut it. But other things like guest posting, like working with Business Insider or Quora or LinkedIn, Facebook ads, shit like that. I've seen results. So each week there's like, what's the budget for your ads? Did you spend it? green or red. And so those are kind of the two things that we do it with Sumo, do it with AppSumo. If we're not on track, what are you doing about it? If we are, you know, keep doing what you're doing. 
Well, I just wanted to say that I was really happy to hear you talk about the marathon runners just kind of collapsing at the end because I did a 30-day, a self-imposed 30-day writing challenge a couple months ago. And I said, I want to write a blog post every day. The initial goal was that I wanted to write more, right? So I said, okay, so I'm going to do a full-length blog post every day for 30 days. So I started doing this and I was pushing through and I was like, okay, I made it public. I can't possibly not continue doing it and going, going, going. And I ended up writing like, I think 26 or 27 post in 30 days. So I didn't hit all 30, but even more so there was like some days that were miserable and I was like doing anything to finish this. And then at the end of it, I collapsed. I was a marathon runner that completely collapsed, didn't continue writing afterwards. So since then, a lot of people have emailed me and asked, you did the 30 day writing challenge. I wanted to do it. Should I do that too? And I said, if your goal is to start writing more, do not do this. Set something like exactly what you were talking about, whether it's like a benchmark, maybe one post a week or two posts a week or something like this, that's sustainable and set sustainable goals for yourself. Because if you collapse at the end, it does more damage. Two things I want to add is that I was doing a podcast with someone and at the end of it, I was very tired and kind of sad about how shitty I thought it went. And I just thought I did a really poor performance. So I did the shitty interview and you know, you want to put things you're proud of. And what I had to remind myself though, is two words, have fun. Work is supposed to be fun. You're going to die regardless. So you can't take the money with you. No matter how much you buy, it can't come with you no matter what. And so enjoy your work, have fun with it. And so I have to remind myself to do that and be saying, okay, well, is this not fun at all? And I know our generation like jumps back and forth and shit. I don't even care about that. But even if it's shitty work, how can you make shitty work fun? Even if you have to do bitch work or data processing, whatever, how do you make it fun? The second thing is, and I really encourage you, David, I like what you did, is try things out and then figure out maybe is there a cadence that does work like once a week? Or is this something that now you'll just be aware and you should do it regularly? So for example, I do fasting and I did it for three day fast, no eating, just water, no tacos, nothing. And it was really interesting. And it made me start realizing like, I don't want to do that forever, right? It's like your 30 day one, but I do want to incorporate parts of it on a weekly basis. So now like in Israel, I don't eat till noon. And it kind of came from that. And so I think in general, like you'll keep growing if you're trying new things and then, you know, adding and subtracting them into your life, like 30 days of writing or how do I make it fun? And because I do enjoy it, but this was just too much of it. So I wanted to actually go into that dying thing. I think it's a way of thinking like you're going to die. So fucking do it. It's a way of if you're at work and you feel you want to raise, just go fucking ask for a raise. You're going to die. You're fucking do it. You know, or you want to like start this new thing you're doing. You're going to die. Fucking do it. So I think it's a way of looking at life in a way and doing stuff and doing stuff that you want to do. I think that's very, I used to cry as a kid when I was in bed because I'd think about just dying and I'd be so sad about it. I was probably like 10, this is actually last week. And I'd cry because I'm like, oh, I don't want to die. There's so much stuff I want to do and I don't want that to happen. And then when you wake up, you go to school or you wake up and you go to work and you just kind of live and you just go through whatever emotion it is. I never realized this. Actually, I've realized it now hanging out with you guys. When I read newspapers, I actually look at the obituaries a lot. It is bleak, but it's the reality. And maybe we won't die. Maybe we'll be the generation that actually can live, you know, hundreds of years. That is possible. You know, probably that's going to happen. But looking at their obituaries is that I think when you actually see it. So I like go out of my way to read them. And then I'll look at old people on the streets. I'm like, that's coming. Because I think we all know the fuck it mentality. But that's kind of at night when we're in bed, when it's almost safer. But in the reality of the day to day of the family, of work, of friends, of spirituality, whatever it is, like it gets hard because you have a lot of these distractions. You know, I have this shit myself. So I think you have to kind of put yourself in situations where you're reminded of the limitation of time. And if you haven't had someone die around you, it's hard to realize that. Like, oh, yeah, it's just going to be forever. I was at a wedding like two days ago and I have a friend, a very, very good friend whose wife died like two years ago. So I remember I was at the wedding, me and all my friends, there was like a few crappy songs in a row <laughs> and we're at the wedding and it still was a party and still were like people were dancing and all of us are just moving, you know, just dancing like slowly, like, you know, good old nerds. 
But this guy, my friend, he was jumping like crazy. He was like parting his life out. And I remember looking at him and I'm saying, that's a guy who's got perspective now. He's like, he's free. He's seen something that I haven't. He's in a totally different state of mind. And we were all kind of drunk in the same way and smoked the same thing. But, you know, at the end of the day, he had something that changed his life's perspective. And he's more free because of that. Yeah, it definitely adds perspective. Another perspective on it is when you're, you're talking about looking at the obituaries is to really think about what you will be remembered for, what you want to leave you know, behind as your legacy. And I think that definitely to look at that and to consider that and kind of going back to making these goals that are short-term, like benchmarks for long-term goals, if you think about what you want to leave behind and kind of what you want people to say about you when you're gone, then it makes you want to work towards that, I don't know, each day. <laughs> All right, I'm going to disagree here to create some controversy because we need a little bit of drama in the show. I think everyone should not give a fuck about legacy because you're not going to get remembered anyways, right? That's the reality of what's going to happen. Think about this. They have statues. That shit gets torn down. Buildings. That stuff's going to get renamed. Streets. It'll get changed. Melachi becomes Mordecai. Mordecai becomes Britney Spears, right? No one knows shit about the streets. And if you even look at the history of things, like who do we really remember for historical? Like, who do you remember? You remember, like, the crazy. And even them in, like, the 500 years or in 1,000 years? Think about 2,000 years ago. Who do we really remember? Jesus? Is there anyone else you remember? Yeah, maybe his homegirl, one of his ladies, right? Or even, like, you know, 100 years ago, 1900s. Who do we really remember? Like, there's some, and it just gets fewer the further it goes forward. And so I had this realization where if you just stop worrying about your legacy so fucking much, because I think we all do. Like, why do we create a podcast? Because we want this audio to live forever. But it does actually change the way you look at the work you do, because you're so less concerned about this has to be remembered. I have to do these things for fucking ever. But if your kids don't live beyond you and your work doesn't live beyond you, just like enjoy the work you're doing now and make stuff that you're really filled with. I have a different take. My personal like thing on this. So I really believe in karma. Let's talk about how we met. No, right? Yeah. Okay, so the way that Noah and I met was that before he came to Israel, first of all, like the guy who introduced us, uh, Thomas, he's like someone I've been following for a while, and he's like this uh, digital nomad. He's every month in a new place, Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand, Hong Kong. And then like, I get this email from him like, uh, hey, Noah, like, I know you're coming to Israel, you should meet Sagi. And I see that email, and I'm like, oh, wow, nice. And I've been following you now for like, uh, I don't know, years. So it was really cool. I was like, sure, why not? So first of all, <laughs> thank you, Thomas. But then I remember I talked to you and we WhatsApped and I'm like, hey, do you want to like, do some burgers and beers? And you're like, hey, I knew the, there's a basketball game. Why don't we go for the basketball game? And I got to tell you, it threw me totally out of my comfort zone because I haven't been in a basketball game for like, I know how long, right? Yeah, in Israel, I haven't been in a basketball game for, for longer than I've been in the U.S. So I said, whoa, how am I going to get tickets to a basketball game? That's tomorrow. It's like the finals here. And I remember I posted on Facebook a message, who can help me like get tickets to a basketball game? What should I do if I want tickets for tomorrow's game? And I have no idea what to do. And the startup that, you know, I helped the startup like a month ago. And turns out that the startup that I helped, their previous startup was actually getting tickets for games. And I helped them for free. Basically, I gave them like one and a half hours of consultancy and then like follow up calls and then like help them promote their stuff on Pixel Perfect and stuff. And I did really because I, you know, I just believe in people and I do that all the time. But I didn't expect to get anything in return. All of a sudden, one thing led to another. At 10 p.m. that night, I get a, you know, an email from that guy and it's like, hey, man, listen, I got you two tickets and I got like courtside tickets. And, you know, we ended up meeting and not only meeting, we said like on the fucking court of the game. That was fucking crazy, right? Awesome. So I think that's karma paying off in a way that I never saw it paying off so quickly in a way that I can actually see it. 
But I do believe in karma. I do believe that it's what motivates me in my career and in life in general. Not because I want to gain something, but I just feel like when I help people out, when I need help, they will help me or other people will help me. And I think that that's kind of when you do work that influences people, it's something that, you know, there's no better way to get paid in the world. Yeah, it's good. I think the karma thing that I've been doing, I think we talked about it a little bit, is tipping. Or if you want to get rich, just tip more, <laughs> right? It makes these other people's days. A friend of actually one of the podcasts, this guy, Jonathan Kuhn, was talking about how he tips $100 on a $50 meal. And I'm like, that's crazy. He's like, think about this. The $100, he's really rich. And he said, that $100 won't matter to me. But this person who's going to get a $100 tip, they're going to tell their friends for the next week and how good they're going to feel. And that makes me feel good. I said, okay. And so I've been tipping really fat for the past two or three months. And you do feel a lot better. And I think there is something with karmic where I'm not doing it to get anything back. I just know it makes them feel good. And that makes me happy. And maybe later, you know, something comes back, but I'm not expecting that. So I, I agree with that. So go tip more and try that out for a day. And I think uh, people will see that helping out others because you have to make an effort. It's kind of like people that get more known is you kind of stop doing some of these things that helped you get to where you are. You stop doing free things. Or you stop consulting and doing good things. So now every Thursday, I block out two hours where I just spend time helping other people for free. I'm not trying to make money. Subsequently, I'll probably end up learning things that'll help me make money, but that's not my intent. I was like, yo, go give some back and likely it'll come around. Or if not, it's cool. You'll probably grow and learn something regardless. So that's, that's awesome because I have also two hours every Thursday that I dedicate to helping people. So yeah, yeah, two hours every Thursday. And it's amazing. That's something that I'm really excited about. Like, and people when I, on this call, they ask me like, why are you doing this? <laughs> and I'm like, because I, you know, I got help and I enjoy helping others. So you heard that people go help others as well. Um, and I think we can finish by that, right? Noah, do you have anything that you would like to pass to our audience of designers and front-end developers, people who are just starting out or even people that are like way up there? I was going to say like go text someone you love. Just go text someone you love. And if you're saying to a guy, just be like, I love you, dog. Noah made me send this. And if it's to a girl or from a girl to a girl or whatever, just be like, hey, you're special. It's very sm small things make you feel really good. All right. Cool. Thanks a lot, Noah. Thank you very much, my man. It was a pleasure. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone, and that's a wrap. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please consider sharing it with a colleague or a friend that you think would benefit from listening to it. And if we may ask one more thing, please rate us on iTunes. This will help the podcast reach more audience and make us so happy. You only have to do this once, not every episode, and it has tremendous impact. Thanks a lot, hackers, and we'll see you on the next episode.
Hey everybody, what's up? So if you enjoyed this episode, I'm very happy and you're welcome to listen to the rest of the episode of the Hacking UI podcast. I just want to let you know that this is a legacy podcast, meaning David and I are no longer creating new episodes for this specific podcast. David and I are working on different businesses now. So I just wanted to let you know that first of all, if you want to catch David, you can check out Thought Leaders and that's what he's working on, thoughtleaders.io. And if you want to check out what I'm working on, I have a new podcast. It's called Creativepreneur, the Creativepreneur Show with Sagi Schreiber. And you would be able to find that on iTunes and any podcast app. And I would invite you to come and listen. And that's where I interview people that have built a lifestyle business out of their skills and passions. It's amazing. I interview so many different people that have amazing stories and will help you with your business, will help you with your skills, taking your skills to the next level and achieving higher goals. So if you're interested in that, I'm there, The Creativepreneur Show, and you can check it out also on YouTube. And you can also just go to creativepreneurmagazine.com or creativepreneur.show. I hope to see you around.